Welcome to the A Way to Lose podcast. I am your co-host and Lifestyles Weight Management Specialist, Kim McPherson, along with my co-host, Dr. Wes Ward. This podcast is designed to provide insight into creating a lifestyle change proven to help you lose weight. Throughout this podcast, we will also discuss the different topics within the health and weight loss industry, as well as health conditions related to obesity. Not only will this podcast be informative, I promise you it will also be fun. So stay tuned and thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining us today. We're very excited. Uh, We have a really great topic we want to share with you today, and we're going to talk about harmful weight loss practices. So we're going to talk about some harmful diets that are out there, as well as some eating disorders. So we're going to jump right in. So Dr. Ward, I'd like to first talk about some harmful diets that are may, may cause weight loss, but are extremely dangerous and should most likely not be practiced by anyone. And the first one is I wanted to talk to you about is the Sleeping Beauty diet. This is a diet where um, people have a doctor put them to sleep or they take sleep medication so that if they're sleeping, they're not eating. And to my knowledge, I found this in some research, Elvis Presley actually practiced this diet. Hmm, interesting. So what so are does, your, So yeah. does this cause them to sleep longer periods of time? Yes, yeah, so they sleep longer. They 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 take sleep medication or have a doctor help them sleep so that um, it's not as widely practiced. If it is practiced now, it's not known. Like people aren't, you know, they Talking don't talk about, about it. it. You know, just like, you know, kind of similar to the whole situation with Michael Jackson in that he had a doctor giving him propofol so that he could sleep because he couldn't sleep. I'm sure people out there practice this this same thing. Where, but for weight loss purposes, because if they're not awake, they're not eating. Okay. Yeah. So they're using sleep aids or other practices to sleep so that they don't want to eat. Which, you know, your danger there is one, if you're taking medications to induce sleep, there's always inherent risks and side effects with any medication that you take. As well as, you know, this would seem counterproductive because, you know, sleep slows down the metabolism. So you're not really burning extra calories during that time. Um, And, you know, then the things that the body's doing to keep the metabolism running during sleep, when you prolong that, you know... um, you know, you're just adding to one, the damage that it probably does to the metabolism uh, because you're spending an extended time where the metabolism's not running, you know, uh, turning as many RPMs, let's say. Um, and then just the inherent risks of what you're, the things you might be taking to induce prolonged sleep. You know, exactly. so that, that just doesn't, one, it just doesn't make any sense that that would be really all that effective. And then the danger uh, that it would pose. Right. And also, and, and just from my, my standpoint, you know, if I take a sleep aid, I, I mean, I don't wake up feeling fantastic the next day. I feel groggy and 
kind of run down and it's not my favorite thing to do. So I can only imagine that a lot of people that do this, especially with their sleeping more, that they probably have, they don't wake up feeling great anyway. But also something else is like, you know, some of these medications you take, even the over the counter stuff, you know, you can become used to it. You know, your body becomes used to it. And so then they run the risk of the danger of taking more and more. Um, and that kind of like what happened with Michael Jackson, you know, developing the tolerance to it. Yeah. Right. You became tolerant and needing more and more and more. And then you could, in my opinion, you know, that could cause greater damage down the road the more you're consuming this product because you're going to have to take more due to your tolerance level. Definitely. Gotcha. Okay. So the next one I want to talk to you about is just kind of a, I'm lumping a lot into this one. It's a general, the starvation diets where, People are starving themselves to lose weight and they're not getting the, the nutrition they need. And then therefore their energy's low. And there's lots of several diets that fit in this category. Um, the liquid diets, the, they eat one meal a day diets. Um, and I want to, I want to caution, we're not talking about intermittent fasting because you're still consuming food during intermittent fasting. I'm talking about these ones where you're not eating or you're eating very little calories, such as the HCG diet where you 500 calories a day and you're taking hormone injections, things like that. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't allow for sustainable weight loss. And also if you're not getting enough nutrition, it can cause other issues. Um, and I'd like to talk more about that. Yeah. Well, one, you're just not getting the nutrients you need. Okay. Because you're consuming so little. And then, you know, we know that the, the body over time, you know, one of the biggest problems with, say, like eating one meal a day in, in that diet is the body then says, OK, I can't trust you to feed me. So I'm going to crank the metabolism down. So I can hang on to as many as many calories as I can get um, and, and burn as few as I have to. And, you know, that diet, especially one meal a day, is harmful to your metabolism. And by doing that, the damage you'll do will cause problems then trying to lose weight in healthy manners as well because of the damage that you do to the metabolism with that. And then you're just not getting enough nutrition, so you're going to see vitamin deficiencies uh, and you're going to see other, you know, nutritional deficiencies because you're simply not consuming enough of the right nutrients. Right. And some of those things such as, you know, you if you're not getting enough food or you're not eating enough, your body becomes taxed and it doesn't have energy. And it can cause, you know, things such as dizzy spells. You become lightheaded. You could pass out um, from lack of nutrition because you're, I mean, your body is not handling the fact that it's not getting what it needs. And that can oh, be well, definitely. And then if you have, you know, medical conditions, let's, you know, say you have diabetes and you decide to do one of these diets, you know, it puts you at risk for low blood sugar episodes, which could be very dangerous if those occur while you're driving or climbing the stairs or, you know, other things, uh, especially if that person continues to take maybe routine medications. Um, and then they dramatically cut out uh, calorie intake and carb intake, and then they start having other problems. Um, so, yeah, just eating so little um, 
you know, it's, just, it's not healthy. Uh, and, and we know it won't long-term produce sustainable weight loss. It, it, at some point when these people who do these diets go back to more of a regular diet, they're going to put a good deal of weight back on. Um, go ahead. Um, so also with that, with these starvation diets, some of the things, as you were talking about what happens when they go back to their normal lifestyle, especially with a starvation diet, eventually, you know, frustration sets in and your, your cravings and hunger become, it, it seems to, as time goes on, it becomes more exaggerated, more like it's bothering you more. And instead of just going back to your traditional lifestyle, you could start binging, uh, binge eating and consuming food at high rates of consumption because you have been deprived for so long um, and you, you lose that willpower to control that. Yes. Yeah, especially, you know, when you've gone without it so long and then you eat it and you're reminded of how good it was. Oh, well, you know, like anything else. And, you know, that's the thing with eating, okay, we don't think about is that, you know, eating stimulates the pleasure center of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it causes certain release of neurotransmitters uh, that, that produce, you know, that's why when you eat, you tend to feel happier, you tend to feel a sense of satisfaction. Well, that's because of the neurotransmitters that are released in the brain when that occurs. So yeah, when you've deprived for so long and then go back, I mean, it's like giving a cocaine addict a hit of cocaine. Uh, it's going to be very hard to control that urge and that desire for more. Gotcha. Okay. So this last one, I, I threw this out here, one out here because it's just so wild. Um, just as wild, if not worse as a sleeping beauty diet. And the fact that people actually do this, um, but baffles me. Um, there's just, so many inherent dangers to this one. And that is called the tapeworm diet. And I, what shocked me about it was that how can you get a tapeworm and do this? But apparently there are, you can take a pill. There's a pill that mm -hmm. exists. I don't know who's providing this pill, uh, but it has a tapeworm egg inside. And then the egg will hatch and the worm will grow inside of your body and consume the food that you're eating. So basically, you eat whatever you want, and the tapeworms consuming your calories. So you're you know, inherently losing weight. Uh, my thing is, is I, I mean, the thought of having a worm inside of my body uh, is terrifying. Um, and then also, I would think there could be issues. There's lots of dangers in that it could end up in your intestines. It could, um, you're going to let me lack of nutrition, obviously, but I'd be worried about what that tapeworm could do to your body, to your organs. Um, could it cause infections? Things like that. You know, so part of that, one, this is, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, don't ever do this. Um, you know, we treat, we consider tapeworms and they're an infection. Okay. We treat them medically with medications that are fairly hard on the liver. Uh, you know, so there's inherent, there's an inherent risk of, you know, one treating this to get rid of the worm <laughs> when you're done with it, but you should never, ever, ever do this. Okay. You know, because you, you're 
not able to control where that tapeworm attaches. Okay, and based on where that tapeworm attaches is going to depend on what nutrients it absorbs and which ones it doesn't. And you can't control that. Um, and, you know, then the if, if your body responds to that tapeworm as an infection, then you're going to get this whole inflammatory response in the gut, which will not be helpful. Uh, but it's, to me, this is so dangerous. This is uh, so risky. Um, it completely baffles me that you would even do this. But, you know, people typically who have a tapeworm infection, um, you know, will present to a provider because they're having some weight loss. They may be noticing some changes in their stool. Okay. And typically they are suffering from nutritional deficiencies because that tapeworm is going to get what it needs to survive. And it's going to take the very best. And so then, so you think of it in this way. So it's, it's like locust descending on a farmer's field. And the locusts are going to eat up all the very best produce. And then they fly away. And the only produce that is left is what they didn't want that's left for the farmer to try to do some something with. So they, they kind of take the best and leave the second best. And so that's what the tapeworm is going to do. It's going to take the very best nutrients that it needs. And whatever's left over, the body then has to survive off of, which typically is not sufficient. I mean, that's why people with a tapeworm present with uh, weight loss and they'll present with other issues who've, who've done this and who, who have a tapeworm infection and didn't mean to get it. So whether you get a tapeworm because I meant to get one or I didn't and it just occurred because I ate something raw meat or something that contained a tapeworm, um, the results are the same. And the results are nutritional deficiencies, which cause problems with the body. And then when you want to get rid of it, we have to give you a uh, medication that is uh, very hard on the liver and can cause liver damage to get rid of the tapeworm. So, yeah, this is just this has bad idea written all over it any number of ways. Well, and, and something else just just on this topic of the fact that this is just one of those things that it's just so out there and so dangerous and yet we're talking about it because it exists and i think that says a lot about the fact that there is such um a mental component to this and there's such a desperation mm -hmm. from people to lose weight and that's based off of whether they don't feel good and they're desperate to feel better. A lot of it is body image. And unfortunately society has drilled it into our minds that you have to be this perfect body type um, and all that. And a lot of people focus on that versus any type of health effects, the, the benefits of it. And they are so desperate to get that weight off for whatever reasons, most likely it's emotional, mental reasons versus health reasons um, that they'll do anything. And, and, I, and it just amazes me, and it's a great segue into our ne next topic, which is the eating disorders, which, again, is another reason why these exist, is because there's such a desperation 
there people are just so de- just so desperate to get the weight off that they're willing to do anything and no matter the risk. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so with that, let you know, getting into the eating disorders. So, you know, the ones that people are most not typically have heard about are like anorexia, nervosa, bulimia. So we'll just start there with bulimia. And most people know what this is, but this is basically where people tend to binge eat. Okay. And then they purge, you know, they binge and purge. And so they, they'll typically induce vomiting or they may overuse like laxatives, okay, to speed up the elimination of that food. But their goal is to be able to eat and then get rid of the calories. Right. So it's, they're satisfying their craving or food addiction um, from the, you know, from that standpoint, but then they're, they're getting the calories gone as quickly as possible. Um, again, back to that whole lack of nutrition, um, well, and we it's not about. just, it, it is that, yeah, because you're going to run into nutritional deficiencies, but you know, here's the interesting thing about bulimia. You know how bulimia is most often diagnosed? It's often diagnosed when someone comes into a provider because of GI issues. Uh, they'll get, because especially if you're inducing vomiting, okay, the, the stomach is a highly acidic environment, okay? And that acid is only designed for the stomach. So when you're inducing vomiting and you're getting that acid back up, you begin to get erosions in the esophagus, um, meaning that stomach acid eats away at the lining of the esophagus. You'll even get erosion in the mouth. Uh, A lot of the times they'll begin having, someone who's been bulimic for a while will have serious dental issues because they completely, that acid erodes the enamel off the teeth. It damages the teeth and then they start having all kinds of dental problems. But, you know, they will, sometimes the very first time you find these people is when they present to the emergency room with a GI bleed. So they have been inducing vomiting. They've eroded a hole in the esophagus that's, that acid has then eaten into a blood vessel and they start getting GI bleeding and they start, sorry, vomiting up blood. And then they'll present to the ER and you'll find out, okay, they've been bulimic. Uh, but it doesn't take any or very long, you know, when you, you do an examination of their mouth to say, oh, these people have horrible dentition. They've got a GI bleed. Mm, maybe we have some, you know, it's one of the things you think about. Uh, and so it's life threatening because of the consequences of one, the, um, the means by which to induce the vomiting that they often induce. Um, but then it's also dangerous because, you know, sometimes if they're doing it to produce diarrhea, they're taking lots of laxatives to get rid of, uh, the calories, you know, then you get the nutritional deficiencies, you get um, all those kinds of things, uh, as well as the damage that it does 
to the large and small intestine. Uh, so it's, it's very dangerous. And, you know, people who are struggling with like eating disorders, bulimia, anorexia certainly need to initially probably seek out their primary care provider. Uh, they most likely need counseling and psychiatric care because, you know, this is an issue of fixing the brain first uh, and then making them healthy. But yeah, this and, you know, real quickly, because they're easy, they're often lumped together, the anorexia, which is kind of goes into that starvation mode where they just starve themselves and eat very little, but yet mentally, because their perception is so skewed, you know, that anorexic person is really tiny. Um, but they look in the mirror and they see somebody who's morbidly obese looking back at them. You know, the interesting thing real quickly, and we move on with bulimia, is that people who are typically bulimic still tend to be overweight. Interesting. I've never met a person who struggled with bulimia who was who typically ever achieved being thin. Now, sometimes they will if the only person I think of is someone who was both bulimic and anorexic. And they became thin because they were doing both. One, understand, disclaimer, we are, these are things we advocate for you never, ever to do. These are serious medical conditions for which you need to be treated. Um, but I have never in my experience ever met someone or diagnosed somebody as bulimic who was ever really thin. Gotcha. Well, and also with anorexia, it's most of them do excessive exercise. So it's not just the, yes. the lack of nutrition. They're doing excessive exercise more than their most cases their body can handle. Um, and also, you know, it's not just always, you know, I said, I said they do it mental desperation to lose weight. It, it, sometimes it's not anything it they're, they're doing it because they want to lose weight. And that is their focus. But usually there's an underlying mental condition uh, that is causing them to turn to these practices. Uh, so there's, there, it's usually more than just their, their physical appearance that's bothering them. There's usually something hidden, some type of maybe emotional trauma or something um, and they're using this not only to lose weight because they have this body perception issue, but also is there, it's a, it's an outlet that they're using to deal with possible mental or emotional traumas that may not have anything to do with weight loss. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You, you know, you, people who tend to be anorexic and bulimic, okay. Typically or not, you're well-adjusted mentally stable, healthy individual who says, I'm going to try this as a means of weight loss. You're right. There is typically underlying issues that alters how they view themselves, their self-esteem, their body image, that then drives them to use these extreme methods to attempt to correct what they see as being wrong. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about, we've talked about bulimia and anorexia. Let's talk about another one, and that's binge eating. Um, and that's just basically, you know, binging on large amounts of food. Um, and that's that's not necessarily a weight loss. They're not doing that necessarily for weight loss. They're doing it to um, soothe, to self-soothe, almost self-medicate 
to feel better and they eat food till they just about to them. They almost do make themselves sick because they just, they can't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, which, you know, is right along there with, you know, you can talk about these two together, binge eating and food addiction mm-hmm. in, in a large sense, because they're again, using food as a coping mechanism. I've, and you know, let's be honest, do all of us do this at times? Yes. But it's an issue when that's an all the time thing. You know, when I'm constantly having to binge eat and eat a lot because that's the only time I feel good. Which again, this speaks to other issues having to do with your self-image and perception of self and that you're, again, self-medicating, right, with food because that's the only time I feel good. It's the only time I feel better um, is when I eat. And and typically, you know, again, that's they're doing that as a means to treat something else, whether it's depression or um, things of that nature, whatever it might be. Um, this is just kind of the means by which they're treating whatever issue is going on in their life. Right. And there's, you know, there's, and there's a lot of inherent dangers with binge eating and food addiction. Um, the fact that, you know, let's talk about that for a second. So, I mean, one, it's, it can, if you're consuming large amounts of food, um, you could raise cholesterol, you could raise blood pressure because of additional salt intake. Um, you could put yourself at risk for other health conditions um, especially as you put on weight or if you're consuming large amounts of foods that are not good for you, but also like type two diabetes, things oh. like that. Oh, definitely. You know, of course, again, people who tend to binge eat are going to tend to be obese or overweight. So they're at risk for high blood pressure and heart attack and stroke and diabetes, all the things that you know, again, this is an issue of you're you're still at risk for all the things that everybody's at risk for with obesity. It's just what's driving you to be obese is an eating disorder. Um, but it, but yeah, it puts you at the same risk for all those things. And if you don't fix the eating disorder, then you you don't you can't fix the rest of it. Exactly. And, and something, so, and, and the next one I wanted to talk about, which we've already talked about, but I wanted, there, there's a certain reason why I wanted to bring this up with you and the purging. Now we've talked about purging and the aspect of if you are doing bulimia and you're purging through um, forced, um, induced, self-induced vomiting, or if you're using laxatives to get the food out of your system quickly. And we've talked about the inherent dangers in that. There's a reason why I put purging out here separately and something that I wanted to talk to you about and get your advice on and what your thoughts are. Um, I attended uh, an obesity conference a couple of years ago, and they had representatives from different, um, different pharmaceutical companies and things like that. So they had people representing certain medications, and there was one for injections. And then there was one where it was, um, it was something that you had inserted so you had this device inserted into your stomach and you had a port that was outside that you could access from the outside 
And I do not recall what the name of the company was, but it, this, this does exist. Um, they had a patient that had been doing it and to represent her weight loss and how it's been. But basically what you do is you go eat your meal and then you go to the restroom and you open your port and you dump the contents of your stomach into the toilet. Um, this, I talked to them about this. This does exist. Um, it, to me, my thought, I'll be honest with you, I was, you've got to be kidding me. Um, I cannot believe that this is out here. Um, and my concern was all you're doing is you're, you're, um, you're allowing, you're basically saying, hey, I mean, it's another form of my of purging, bulimia. So you're basically, you know, putting your stamp of approval on a eating disorder. Because mm-hmm. now you're allowed to eat all this food that you want. There's no control. And guess what? As soon as you get done, just go open your port in the bathroom and dump and, you know, pump the contents out into your stomach, out of your stomach into the toilet. I, I, it blows my mind, but there are people actually doing this. And that concerns me, again, the lack of nutrition um, that you're getting. And I can't imagine, like, there could be risk for infection where that port is and, all kinds of things. And I'm sure that due to the stomach acids, there maybe have to be times where there's replacements needing to be done, but well, it and just that obviously requires surgery, which is horrifying that we have surgeons who are doing this. You know, it's basically your, it's, you know, it's, it's basically the same idea of a feeding tube only in reverse. Instead of putting nutrition into it, you're using it to, to take nutrition out, uh, which is horrifying. Uh, you know, food is broken down in the stomach, but your nutrient absorption occurs in the small intestine. So when you bypass that, then you're, you're, that's your one, putting yourself at risk again for nutritional deficiencies, things of that nature. But then that you would subject yourself to surgery, anesthesia, the inherent risk that is involved in any operation to place that type of tube. And then the risk of infection for having it. Okay. And then again, that whole idea of, you know, what's the mental state? Are we doing any type of psychological evaluation of these people? And before we do this, and of course, you know, we don't know that answer. Uh, but yeah, that to me just seems horrifying that you, and, and again, like we've said, it speaks to that sense of desperation, lose weight, um, that if you're not addressing the mental component, then you're in so many ways not helping these people. Wow, that, that was a new one. I, I was not aware yes. of that. yes. Um, yeah, it is. I, we actually talked to from the, the company that was, that had created it and they had a, um, they had a, um, a patient that was, had done it and had lost a lot of weight. Um, and we, we stood there. I was, I was at this conference in New Orleans and I had a friend with me and my friend has actually had a gastric bypass, I mean, like bypass gastric, um, not sleeve, black band, black band. I'm sorry. Um, and so, she was really interested in coming to this conference and learning more about all of this because she, her, her obesity runs in her family. 
But we stood there a good 30, 45 minutes talking to them because I could not believe what I was hearing. And, mm. but yeah, exactly. And they walked you through, I mean, they didn't show you in detail, but they showed you how it worked and how they did it and how people do this. Um, oh again, I just couldn't believe it, but let's go on. And again, these are, you know, it's something we've got to address the issues that's driving people to do this. Um, and cause we want them to focus on healthy ways of doing these healthy lifestyle changes, but let's move on and talk about PICA. Um, I'm going to let you kind of take that one. That was, that was another one that just shocked me. Um, but I'm gonna let you really talk about that one um, from your standpoint. So PICA is a psychological disorder. It's characterized by appetite for substances that are largely non-nutritious. Okay. So eating ice or paper or paint, uh, or, um, you know, there are even people who will eat stones, who will eat sharp objects. Um, and so there, there's a lot of reasons why people do this. But obviously, but, you know, remember, like we said, this is a psychological condition. Okay. Uh, that depending on what you're eating is very dangerous. It's most commonly seen in pregnant women. You know, we've all known pregnant women who ate some really weird stuff during pregnancy. Um, but you'll see it in people with developmental disorders or disabilities. You'll see it in kids with autism. Um, and, you know, there's just obviously the inherent risks of eating these substances. I mean, ice would probably be the most harmless Okay, but when you're talking about I'm eating paper or hair or drywall or paint, you know, this was an issue not so much now, but years ago when paint used to be lead-based, you would have people develop lead poisoning because they were eating paint. You know, it's something we would always caution new parents about in older homes uh, with small children that, you know, make sure, you know, you don't have lead paint or that it's not flaking because small kids will come along and eat what they pick up off the floor, not because they have pica, but because they're small children and they do that. Um, you know, and so depending on where these people are getting and what substances they're eating, I mean, it, you can develop a bowel obstruction, which can be fatal you can, you know, if you're eating sharp objects like nails or screws, and there are uh, numerous uh, document documentation of, of people eating nails and screws and spoon tops and salt and pepper shaker tops and, and things like that. Uh, if you're eating sharp objects that can lacerate the stomach and you begin bleeding, uh, it, it, it's... Again, you're talking about a psychological disorder that happens to be characterized by eating all these substances. Uh, generally, these people aren't doing that for weight loss. Um, though I think, you know, as we, we talked before about, you know, there are some people who will eat um, cotton balls or things of that nature to, to fill the stomach up, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that then they don't eat 
as much. And so that's, you know, maybe that's where you see some people who do use this for um, weight loss. Uh, but still, it's, I mean, it's very dangerous. I mean, cotton, you know, is probably very likely to cause a bowel obstruction, uh, which can be fatal. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of a little bit about, you know, what pica is and why it's so dangerous is one, just because the inherent danger of eating, swallowing these things. Right. And, and for some that have probably, some people probably never heard of this. And one of the things, you know, these exist. And if you ever want to see people that do it, you know, there's that show called my strange addiction. Um, and they've covered it. They've even covered back to food though. They've even covered people who will only eat, they would eat food, but they would only eat like all they'll only eat is one thing. Um, so they would eat, there was one that would just eat French fries, but I know my strange addiction has covered some of these PACA, um, eating disorders where they would eat, um, like in hair, hair, for example, you know, that I've, I've actually knew a girl in school that did this. She would chew on her hair. Um, now she wasn't necessarily, that's all she would consume, but she had this thing where she would chew on her hair, um, sitting in class and she would swallow hair. Well, she ended up having an obstruction. She had to have yeah. surgery um, and had an, a, an obstruction uh, because of it. Um, and they found this huge hairball because it was just collecting um, all from her chewing on her hair. Um, and it was a, you know, a disorder. Obviously, she had a nervous. It was a, an anxiety, a nervous disorder that she had, which was causing her to do the um, to chew on the hair. So it's, it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's very dangerous. Um, and the cotton ball thing blew me off, but I've seen that on some of these weight loss documentaries. They've talked about people consuming cotton balls to lose weight. Uh, so it's very, very scary. Very scary. So the next one I wanted to cover with you, um, we're going to go back to bulimia for a second. Uh, this one really shocked me, um, but the rumination disorder um, as, as it is related to bulimia, it's kind of where I wanted to tie this in. Uh, well, won't you talk a little bit about that one? Cause that really surprised me as well. So rumination syndrome is a condition where people repeatedly, um, they regurgitate food. Uh, so it's typically done right after eating where it is. It's often confused with bulimia, but it's a little bit different in that typically people with bulimia will eat a whole meal after the meal, when they're done eating, they will go vomit. Where, where people with rumination disorder, and it can only be described in its grotesque form, sorry, is they'll can eat food um, and then regurgitate it back up. Okay, so it's almost like they don't um, maybe swallow it all the way into the stomach. They regurgitate it back up, um, and then they'll sometimes chew it again uh, and then re-swallow it or spit it out, okay? Um, and so, you know, it's a little different because... You know, that food hasn't sat in stomach acid. It's not started the digestive process in that regards. It's they prevented it. And I don't know how you gain that kind of control over 
your GI system. I don't have it. Um, but to regurgitate that back up and then spit it out or feast on it again, again, it's uh, indicate, indicative of, you know, really some, some altered sense of perception of self um, and um, the, um, you know, and, and require some obviously psychological workup. If you're doing this, you know, intentionally to prevent weight loss, uh, you know, you're going to have, you're going to see some of the same things you're going to see with bulimia with them in terms of the psychiatric things that may be going on. Exactly. Okay. So our last one, and I kind of hit on it when we were talking about PICA is the avoidant restrictive food intake disorders, such as, um, you know, someone who only consumes French fries, that that's all they'll eat. Or um, someone who, you know, will only eat. um, There was, there was one um, where I saw it on a documentary where he only ate, uh, he only ate like vegetables, a bowl of vegetables twice a week. And that was all he had. Uh, Things like that. Uh, So again, these issues where you're just consuming one food or you're doing very restrictive intakes of food and avoiding food, especially nutritious food, where it's going to cause a lot of issues with lack of nutrition and how that affects the body, um, especially in vitamin deficiencies. Well, and you know, there are some vitamin deficiencies that, you know, that's a strange thing. We just don't see that very much anymore, at least not in the United States, because there is such access to food. But at least enough of it to prevent nutritional deficiencies. But you can develop cardiovascular conditions, heart disease, congestive heart failure, things like that because of nutritional deficiency. And so people don't tend to think how, about how dangerous that can be. But if you're, you know, obviously, you know, and this is where there's, there's some overlap and there is some divergence in the sense of, you know, some of these eating disorders are not n- always necessarily about weight loss. Okay. You know, food addiction, binge eating, some of that's not necessarily right about weight loss. It's about meeting some other need that they have psychologically, uh, where avoidant restrictive food intake is very much about weight loss. They're avoiding or only eating specific foods because their goal is to have weight loss. And again, you're going to do, you do so much damage to the, the metabolism that then going forward, the difficulty that these people will see in having weight loss, even healthy weight loss, uh, is that damage may not ever be repaired. And they may then always have difficulty with weight loss, even in a healthy manner, because, you know, they did one of these avoidant restrictive meal diets or whatever. Right. And when you look at the avoidant restrictive things, you're, I mean, there's a circle here. I mean, because if you do an avoidant restrictive food intake disorder 
or you're really restricting the food you eat. I'm gonna start over. There's a bunch of background noise. Um, you know, when you're on, when you're doing these avoidive restrictive food intakes, there's a circle to this. It can come full circle because what can happen is is you you restrict food and you you're struggling with obviously there's usually a mental component to all of this from the weight loss standpoint is you you're obsessed with losing weight and you're willing to do whatever it takes or you may suffer from food addiction and you're trying to find ways to overcome it what's most likely going to happen is at some point you're not going to be able to do the restrictive food anymore the you're 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 going to lose your willpower your focus um you're or something something could happen that could trigger a food addiction episode where you're going to go from restrictive to binge eating at that mm-hmm. point. And then you're just creating this, this cycle. Um, and unfortunately it just continues to go. What can truly happen is that cycle becomes smaller. So therefore you're doing less restriction, more binging. Um, your yes. cycles are shorter. Um, and then that leads to all the issues we've talked about with binge eating and food addiction. Um, and also I wanted to say this, you know, anyone that is struggling with an eating disorder, I mean, we know that it's more than just an issue of you wanting to lose weight. And we understand, I understand that struggle so well. Um, I've battled it most of my life and I know what that feels like. And I know all about the body, you know, suffering from body image issues and all of it. But if you are struggling with an eating disorder um, and Dr. Ward, please chime in on this, but I highly encourage you all to please seek help from a professional. Um, do not continue down this path. You need to address the issues, whether it's trauma, emotional distress, whatever that may be, but do seek out professional help. Absolutely. You know, that goes without saying really uh, from my perspective is that if you're struggling with this or have a family member that's struggling with this, you know, talk to them about that or you, if it's you, Go get help. Go, like I say, start with your primary care provider. And that's one of the things sometimes people don't know where to go. They recognize they have an issue, but they don't know where to start. And then there's that fear of what are they going to think of me? Okay, I see that all the time as a primary care provider. Oh, well, what are they going to think if I go in and tell them I'm having this issue? And it may not even be food related. It may be, well, what if I go in and tell them I'm not taking my blood pressure medicine? He's going to be mad at me. I hear that all the time your primary care provider is there to help you. And so I would say if you're struggling with any one of these disorders or doing any of these things that we've described, the very first thing that you need to do first step is go see your primary care provider, schedule an appointment, go see them and be honest with them and say, here's what I'm doing and I need your help. And what I'm going to tell you is that 99.99% of the time, they're going to say, okay, let's, let's get you the right help. Uh, what do we need to do? What's the next step? But they're going to be your go-to resources, your primary care provider, go see them first. Uh, and then let them get the help you get the referrals and the care that you need to address whatever specific issue it is that you're dealing with. Exactly. And also for those of you that are just truly focused on weight loss and you struggle and maybe you've tried some really crazy diets because you didn't know what you should do um, and you didn't know the best path for this. That's what A Way to Lose is here for. Not only are we a podcast, we are also 
a weight loss center, a virtual weight loss center um, designed to help you create a lifestyle change uh, that will help you with not only have sustainable, sustainable weight loss, but it is something you can do for the rest of your life. Um, it is not something we want to minimize your restrictions. And on top of that, it is a medically supervised program. You have me as your weight loss coach and your lifestyle weight management specialist, and you have Dr. Ward there to medically supervise you and help you along your journey. So if you are struggling with weight loss and you need, you need accountability and motivation to move you forward and you need a good structured program that does not restrict you to the point that you can't handle the program itself, then by all means, reach out to us. You can check us out online at a way to lose.net um, or you are more than welcome to email me at Kim at a way to lose.net. Um, Dr. Ward, do you have anything else you wanted to say? No, just maybe to say that, you know, obviously there are healthier ways to lose weight. We offer healthier ways to lose weight. And so don't ever feel like, well, I have to try one of these others. Then I don't have any choices because you always have choices. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us. If you're like we said, if you're struggling with just weight loss and wanting some help, that's what we're here for. Fantastic. Well, we would like to thank you all for joining us today. And again, if you have any questions about what we've talked about today or questions about our program, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, and we will see you all next week. Have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope that you gained valuable insight that will help you along your journey. To learn more about our weight loss program and to schedule a free consultation, please check out our website at awaytolose.net. That is A-W-E-I-G-H-T-O-L-O-S-E dot net. And don't forget to also download your free weight loss success guide today.